Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John, Joe, we have two uh, guests here with us, two of our professors in the seminary, both of whose names you've heard over the months and years of this podcast. So we have uh, Dr. Anthony Lillis, who is here, and Father Raymond Goronsky of the Society of Jesus. Good morning. We Good morning. are... Uh, it's great to have them. Um, and uh, uh, Dr. Lewis is a specialist in, in spiritual theology, and Father Gronsky is um, a, a very seasoned and experienced retreat master. Uh, and so this topic today, which we have uh, taken from the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius, uh, you're actually going to learn something, which is amazing. So I know. Usually it's, uh, it's us just talking. So um, maybe Father Gronsky, just tell us about um, your first encounter with the spiritual exercises, uh, what they were, and uh, and kind of... You know, just basically kind of what it's been uh, for your life over the last, well, I won't say how many years, but... Uh. Sure. Uh, certainly, I went to Jesuit college, uh, and one would always hear about the, the various retreats, eight-day retreats, 30-day retreats, and um, never really made them, and uh, began heading into the Jesuits. Yeah, I made a retreat, and then in the Jesuits, of course, you do begin making serious retreats, so eight-day retreat and 30-day retreat uh, is part of the uh, initial formation then you make the 30-day retreat again uh once you're ordained generally several years after that so and and every year as a jesuit you uh, repeat the eight-day retreat and of course not just jesuits i mean lay people have done this from the very beginning hmm. uh, all kind of people uh with a director there have been different ways of doing the exercises historically i've had both the american experience which in, in recent times has been very directed retreats and also the more traditional uh, experience in europe of having more of a preached retreat uh, but basically, you kind of go into the cave, as St. Ignatius did, with God. Uh, St. Ignatius offers, if you will, guidelines to walk us through it. Because, you know, St. Ignatius didn't come up with some kind of a, a system so much as had a profound religious experience, articulated it in a way that gives guidelines for a director to help people in their encounter with God. So when you go into your retreat, again, you go into kind of a cave, let's say, with God. And you have someone who's helping you stay on the rails and the, uh, the exercises, the book that we have, uh, are, are guidelines to help us stay on the rail. But even more deeply, if you will, to be formed profoundly in the biblical Christian tradition, as Ignatius had. Absolutely. And uh, we just came out of the cave just a couple of days ago. Uh, yes. Father Gronsky is living um, in his sabbatical, living as a hermit down at Crestone, uh, Colorado. Funky little town, which we love. We were at the Bliss Cafe uh, for lunch um, when we followed, but we did our... Uh, our week silent retreat. So in the seminary here in Denver, we've had the privilege of uh, being profoundly influenced by Ignatian spirituality. So you do the 30 day silent retreat um, and you're listening to this and you're saying, how did father John and especially Nathan Goble get through 30 days of silence? <laughs> Joe, maybe a little more because, mm. uh, but uh, we fell in love with um, the meditations and the style of prayer that Ignatius again, didn't just kind of, this isn't out of a theological thing. This is out of his experience. This is the wellspring of his life. Uh, now, Dr. Lillis is uh, out of the t Dominican and the Carmelite tradition, but is also um, really a master of uh, the different spiritual traditions. So maybe just your experience with Ignatian prayer and anything you would add to uh, Father Gronsky's comments. Well, I um, the whole uh, tradition that St. Ignatius kind of recaptures is really a tradition of the Desert Fathers. And, um, and strong in that tradition is, is a return to mental prayer or contemplative prayer. Silence is very important. And I think that's what he probably experienced first at Montserrat uh, after his conversion. And then he took that experience, I think, with him to Manresa. 
Manresa is interesting uh, uh, as we go through the material today. um, Manresa was not an easy experience for him. It was a very difficult experience for him. There were graces that happened in the midst of difficult experiences. And so I think one of the strengths of um, the spirituality of St. Ignatius is uh, uh, St. Ignatius wasn't worried about attaining psychic states or uh, spiritual achievements. He was interested in an encounter with Christ, an encounter that you could have even in very difficult circumstances, but an encounter that formed you for life. And and, uh, that's the encounter that I think uh, the practice of contemplation or mental prayer opens up. Beautiful. Joey, let's yes. turn now toward the topic here uh, and focus. What we're doing is in the on the fourth day, so you, of the so the spiritual exercises span a uh, the month retreat, the 30-day retreat, and in the second week, third week, I forget where the meditation the two, two standards, standards is. It's the fourth day of the first, first week. week. First week. My bad. i got to be on my game here because <laughs> we have time. our professors here, and they know I'm getting rusty here <laughs> being out in the parish. But, Joe, if you were going to just kind of sum up for somebody, they said, hey, I heard this thing, Ignatius, meditation of two standards, very famous. Uh, what would you say? Just the kind of the quick <sighs> quib. Of all the people to ask, why are you asking me? Um, so the two standards, from what I remember is uh, you imagine two stand like the two stand stand by standard we mean like uh, the standard bearer you know the banner of war that they have the bandera exactly um, so on one side you have the standard of the evil one the world the flesh and the devil I guess uh, where you have like you try to imagine what that looks like uh, see I'm gonna do, I'm gonna butcher no this. you got it you're <laughs> good, you're good. And Father and, Gronsky um, can jump in yeah you feel free to feel free to jump jump in correct at any time. And then on the other st- standard, you have the standard of Christ. And what does that look like? And then I forgot how the meditation goes, that you you well, choose one? No, that's good. That's a good introduction. So let's say you guys got a flush. You, you're invited to imagine uh, the leaders under these standards. When we say standard, it, it, the bandera is a flag, really. So okay. under whose flag are you fighting, basically? Right. And, you know, you have uh, the evil one, so Satan, uh, in Babylon. And uh, what, what, what is Babylon? Well, it's an exotic place, but you might think of uh, my hometown, like New York, uh, <laughs> Los Angeles. You know, uh, you know, a hot, big, urban, cosmopolitan center uh, was just pulsing with worldliness and worldly life. On the other hand, you have Jesus in Jerusalem. Uh, you, you see, Ignatius is very clear, you have Satan sending out demons to afflict everybody in the world, and he's trying to seduce people through riches, honors, and pride, and through these he just gets the world going. And on the other hand, you have Jesus who does not send spirits primarily, or initially, but he's sending people on mission, apostles to different people to console, to spread the gospel, to heal. Uh, to my mind, you know, I, I would think of it as, uh, what is beauty? And what counts as a beautiful person? We're all drawn to beautiful people. So this culture, which is so visual and um, you know, movies, media, we all have this, we're faces that we're following. Everywhere you go, there's a face that the ad, ad game is, is throwing at you. Hmm. And then Christ throws us uh, Mother Teresa. Was Mother Teresa beautiful? Hmm. Not particularly. Right. You know, yeah. she's not going to be on the cover of, you know, Vogue magazine or something like that uh, initially. And yet there's a beauty in there. Hmm. And so what is the beauty of Christ, you might ask? What's the beauty of Satan? What is the beauty that you're led to? What's the beauty you're following? Hmm. That's excellent. That's, That's really excellent. helpful, actually. That's awesome. Dr. Lewis, any thoughts on that before we kind of dive into the text a little more? Uh, other than uh, this uh, two banners, uh, it presents uh, kind of the question that Christianity confronts us with. Without without Christianity, without the encounter with Christ, you're on, under one banner, 
and mm-hmm. and it's the banner of Babylon. And it's only with Christ that you have the opportunity to choose. You can choose one way or another. And this this radical freedom that we that Christianity makes possible that lives in the Western tradition, uh, Ignatius has captured it with this great image. And that is a beautiful that is a beautiful thing that um, I, I read recently from uh, Balthazar. He says that if you if you today you do not say yes, you have just said no. So it's not kind of like we're in a morally neutral ground and then we get to kind of choose, but we have to see that like we really are under the standard of Satan. This is, he, he, his reign is in this world. But Ignatius is so wonderful because he's got this kind of warrior sense to him that there is a battle ensuing. You know, he has a profound sense that Christ has conquered, but battles are still raging and his work is still at work. And your soul is, is, is not just saved because of this. It's, it's really an interesting response, counter-reformation response to the kind of once saved, always saved, kind of in the election of Luther and Calvin, that this is a, there's a battle un- undergoing, and it's happening today. It's happening right now. And this image of the two standards um, is is stunning. So, Father Gronsky? Oh, yeah. it's um, yeah, we're, we're kind of born under the standard of Satan, if you will. I mean, that, that's putting it dramatically, but uh, we're born in sin. And so we're, we're invited, we're saved by Christ, he offers us salvation, and then he does send us into the battle of this world at this time, because we're called to be other Christs. And if we're going to be other Christs, then we're going to engage in his battle for his cause in the world today. And uh, and one other thing, though, and it, it's subtle, because in a way, in the heat of battle, if you see war movies, sometimes people get kind of confused as to which, wh- wh- where's my platoon right. sort of a thing, you know. Uh, but but meanwhile, God is our Lord is our captain, a captain of our soul, as we say. You know, uh, exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah, so, I always imagine that scene at the end of a uh, line the witch in the wardrobe, the movie they just made. You know, where you have like the whole the the whole side of like the witch and her army, and the other side. Obviously, it's not like it's like allegorical in the sense. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, there's such clearly defined sides, mm-hmm. and it's not as clearly defined in in our world because, like you said, beauty is like what does Christ's beauty look like? What does the world's beauty look like? You know, where who who is in, who is in, who is flying under the flag of Christ and who is not? Um, but exactly, and so um, so let's dive into the into the texture a little more specifically and uh, and see exactly how do we actually delineate these things? Because again, it's not clearly like the church is the standard of Christ and the world is. I mean, it is in itself, but within in terms of the body and people and humanity, it's much much more complicated. Right. And then even within ourselves. So the first point: this is under the standard of Satan. Imagine you see the chief of all the enemy in the vast plain about Babylon or New York or uh, Los Angeles. I guess you're from California. We better be careful here. How about Denver? Denver, okay. (laughs) No, yeah. Seated on a great throne of fire and smoke, his appearance inspiring horror and terror. Mm -hmm. Consider how he summons innumerable demons and scatters them. This is interesting. I remember you telling us this because we just, we went through this meditation on our retreat, but he sends demons, Mm -hmm. right? And so he's trying to bring to corrupt souls and bring them under his standard, but he's actually not using them for battle. He's sending out this kind of legion of demons. No province, no place, no state of life, no individual is overlooked. He binds them in chains and lays snares for men. Uh, And this is the key. And this is what I'd like uh, Dr. Lillis and Father Gronsky to kind of chime in on. First, and this is how we're led under the standard of Satan. First, they are to tempt them to covet riches as Satan himself was accustomed to do in most cases, that they may more easily attain the empty honors of the world than come to overweening pride. So to summarize that, he says, the first step then will be riches, the second honor, and the third pride. From these steps, the evil one leads to all other vices. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. All other vices. 
stem from that. But there's a specific order there that maybe you can just kind of comment on riches to honor and then to pride. So, Dr. Lillis? Well, um, this will, I'll have to defer the major reflection here to, uh, to, to Father Goronsky, but uh, I can say this. Uh, uh, what he's identified is consistent with our tradition. The first time you find a description like this where this Satan uh, uh, kind of tempts us in a, uh, a, a certain order is, uh, I believe, in the uh, Life of Antony by St. Athanasius. And in that, in that work, we find uh, Antony of the desert going out into a deserted place and the evil one trying to corrupt him. And this list that St. Ignatius has, picked, has, has identified uh, resonates with the, the kinds of lists, the kinds of temptations you'll find back then. In other words, what St. Ignatius is tapping into isn't something particular to some souls. This is what he's, what he's indicating is a struggle that we all have to face. Uh, Father? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the kind of question is, is this. Um, we're called to be saints. The saints are, if you will, uh, to use a kind of contemporary, maybe expression, reincarnations of Jesus, let's put it that way, Christ, other Christs in the world. And what characterizes Christ above all? Meekness and humility, docility to the will of God. When Ignatius in the Three Degrees of Humility speaks of, well, what you're supposed to do, what is humility? It means obeying God. Why? Because you're not trusting on your own judgment. It's not just me. I define my own being. Whatever's right, well, whatever, but it, this is right for me. No, there's an objective order which is set up by God. And I have to submit myself to that order, be, be humble, and let the power of God begin letting me live the greatness to which I'm called. But that's a greatness which only can come through surrender. But the, the devil... Uh, wants to tempt us to the greatness which is based on me, my ego. And Ignatius then sees the steps which this comes from externally, riches. Well, once, you know, you have the, the big car on the block, you, you know, it's only natural that you begin to think, you know, everybody looks at you different, right? You get treated differently. If you pull up somewhere, I don't know, in a Mercedes, you'll be treated differently than if you pull up in a Hyundai, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, just people, everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's honors that are attached with that. And then comes pride. Oh, because... I mean, if, if my dad has a Mercedes, well, well, really, we must be better than these other people. Right, right. And if we're better than other people, then the regular rules don't apply to us. And then we can end up doing whatever we want. Yeah. And then that leads to all kind of crimes and behaviors. And until God throws the light on, whether it be anywhere, uh, any human community, including parts of the church, you know, that, that get seduced by these things. And then you see the, the, the evil that has taken place, wherever it may be. And then you look at, 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 at the steps that were followed, and it's invariably going to be something of riches, honors, and pride. Again, bear in mind, riches doesn't have to be money or Mercedes Benzes. It can be, I know more than somebody. I'm smarter than somebody. Right, right. Mm. Oh, my yeah. possessions are, I don't know, my doctorates, uh, the things I know. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that does, that kind of captures the, uh, that when we're trying to identify what is the standard of Satan in the world, bam, there it is. Exactly like you're saying. And it's not just a merely material thing, but it's uh, the source of it all is pride. That's oh, yeah. the center of it. Did you have another thought? Well, just uh, notice the, the way the evil one attacks. Something all human beings need is uh, they need a sense of security. And so Satan uses things like riches and honor, uh, uh, self-esteem in and yeah, of itself isn't isn't a bad thing, but but 
but he twists it. He mm-hmm. twists the use of riches. He tre- twists uh, uh, our, uh, what can become a preoccupation with what others think about us. And, um, and so the, this natural instinct for self-preservation that wants to be safe, um, uh, he, he manages to speak right to us, to hook us, to trap us, to bog us down. And, uh, and so that, so that we, we're in the ideas, then we're not free to act without riches. We're not free to act without honor. Mm-hmm. And we're not free to act without pride. And Absolutely. freedom to act in difference is at the heart of this. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom, yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful that, that when we really kind of distill down Ignatian prayer, it's about recovering freedom so that I can choose Christ, that I can hear his call and that I can respond to it. Absolutely. And that's what that's what this is about. Yeah, Absolutely. it's interesting too how all of those riches, honor, pride, attachment to our will, they're all focused on the, the ego ultimately. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of closed in on themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the antithesis of love, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. I mean, love, which is choosing the other, and which is like you, not me. Uh, not me, yes. Mm-hmm. And if there was, if I think if we we're going to say, if there's something that really marks our post-Christian age that we're living in, it's just this kind of radical slavery to the ego. Right? We think we're free. Right. We think we're free because I'm because I'm we can beyond, do whatever we want. I'm beyond kind of uh, mm-hmm. doctrinal uh, demands of authority and moral obligation. But you're really not. You're just completely slaved, and you spend your life kind of this psychological introspection, uh, probing the depths of my ego, thinking you're living a real life, but you're actually just completely lost. And uh, that's what we're trying to break out of. Mm -hmm. And Christ gives us that freedom. So we'll move to the standard of Christ here. Uh, The first point, consider Christ our Lord standing in a lowly place. So here's the other side, right? Aslan, as you would say from line, Tolkien would be horrified. He hates uh, blatant allegory, but that's beside the point. (laughs) In a great plain, he, he stands, but in a lowly place, about the region of Jerusalem, his appearance beautiful and attractive. Now, um, the standard of Christ is going to be the exact opposite. He's attracting them to the highest spiritual poverty, and should it please the divine majesty, and should he deign to choose for them even actual poverty, then that will lead him to a desire for insults and contempt. From that leads humility. So just as under the standard of Satan, it's uh, riches to honors to pride and then to all the other vices, it's the exact opposite. Poverty, the opposite of riches, insults and contempt, mm-hmm. the opposite of honor, yes. and then lastly, humility as opposed to pride. From these three steps, he will lead men to all other virtues. Mm-hmm. So, thoughts, wow. comments on that? It's beautiful the um, uh, the the imagery uh, uh, here, the the parallels, and uh, humility. Uh, you know, the word humility uh, comes from humus, uh, fertile soil. And all other virtues come from this, meaning uh, uh, by um, acting against our tendency or propensity to accumulate riches, physical, spiritual riches, acting against our propensity to be taught well of by others, we finally become fertile soil that can be uh, sowed with good seed. And, um, uh, you know, and and think about that image, the earthliness uh, of it. You know, at the end of the day, it seems to me that St. Ignatius wants us to be good kind of earthly people, uh, you know, uh, in touch with who we are. Yeah. And and so he's not pointing to a uh, kind of spiritual esotericism where you're above and beyond this world. You, What he's pointing to, it seems to me, is something that's very rooted in this world, sees reality, um, uh, is about kind of uh, uh, fighting for, for what's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think of of those things that you mentioned that in the way what's the hardest for us to deal with is the contempt of others. Mm. Uh, 
And so we build these vast fortresses uh, to, to protect ourselves against the contempt of others and to convince ourselves that we really are something. You know, uh, in, in, I've studied some Chinese, and so you have this terrible phrase, you know, you're nothing. You're just nothing. We say it in English, too. You're nothing. When you say you're nothing to somebody, of course, if they're Christians, they say, absolutely right, I'm nothing. You know, without God, without his grace, I'm nothing. Neither are you, by the way. You know, we are nothing without God. And so the, in a way, the question, and you're talking about, John, about, you know, belief in kind of God. The question is, who is God? If we deny God, well, then we're claiming to be God. I mean, there's only room in this universe for, for one God. So if there's not he, then it's going to be my ego is God. And then I'm living this lie and building my whole life on this lie. Um, and... Well, then I'm the center of the universe, and everybody else is somewhat, somewhat worse than me. And then, of course, we're, we're frightened of that. You get on this treadmill. But if we're going to uh, follow Christ, then it's going to be, it is going to be, and I, I hesitate to say this because this is very hard, uh, to, to bearing gracefully with humiliations, uh, with being called a loser. You're a loser. God, you know, you're going to do some uh, tra traffic uh, contretemps to somebody. You're a loser. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, right. So was Jesus, you know. What, are you a winner? What's that mean? Who are you, Herod, Pilate, uh, the devil? I mean, they're, they're the apparent winners in this world, you know? And then you look at, just look at the history of the 20th century, in which I meditate on so often. Look at the great winners. Look at, look at the tremendous victories that, say, a Hitler had, you know, just immense. All of Europe was at his feet, you know? I think of John Paul, blessed John Paul, who visited us here in Colorado, you know? Uh, he became a pope. He came from a diocese, a country that had no money, no money no riches, and were held in contempt, in fact, by all their neighbors and everybody else. And, that, and this, this man shows up in Colorado, and the whole world's looking at him, following him from all over the place. Why? Because there's something of the beauty of Christ in him. But he not only accepted humiliations and the contempt of others, in a way he was underneath it all because he was with the current of God's life underneath it all and just radiating love and life. And so he wasn't pretending to be God. So Free. And I think the thing we, with the world glimpsed in John Paul II was that um, in humility comes freedom, yes. but it also comes authentic authority, right? Because the world of um, the power games, the yes. logic of power that Pilate is trapped in and, and Herod and the whole bit um, is that, I mean, that is, the, that is the standard of Satan and yes. it's terror and it's chaos and it's confusion yes. and we'll lose ourselves in kind of scheming yeah. uh, cholerics trying to kind of dominate the universe. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Ignatius was a choleric probably, right. so we got to be careful. Not the, uh, <laughs> but um, all of that is free. And then you have this man step onto the world stage and he radiates not uh, a power player, uh, but as a man of just profound authority because he is humble, which means he is living, he embodies the truth uh, as it authentically is. It's not like you said, a an over-spiritualization or a, um, a reduction of his humanity. It's, it's lived out to the fullest. And people see that and they say, that's it. That's what I want mm. on a world stage. Questions, comments, concerns, fears, anxieties. Uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at, at gmail.com gmail. on Facebook. We got a couple of comments we got to catch up on. Sorry for the emails I haven't responded to. <laughs> and I think that's about it. That's it. All right. Have All a right, good uh, have a good week. Okay, bye-bye.